Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. All right. Well, I want to, they asked me, when I asked me to speak, to talk about relational gospeling. And so I was thinking about this, and this is something I'm very passionate about. And I want to talk about telling your story. Because a lot of people get intimidated when sharing uh with Jewish people in particular, but in, in anybody, with anybody in general, and how to do it. I'm not an evangelist. People will say, I don't know anything about it. What will they say to me? And let's go right into it. There are many different strategies for outreach, or as David likes to call it, gospeling. You can see uh, there's debates. The guys on the far right uh, people like to, they can have different discussions. Uh, there's going out on the street and witnessing to people. Uh, there's tr- giving out of tracts. Uh, going door to door. Many of us are familiar with the Gideons, but are just giving out Bibles or other literature uh, to people. These are all uh, of strategies for outreach, and they all have their merit. I don't think we should poo-poo any one of them. Uh, I don't think anyone is just the way to do it, but they all have their merit. But today I want to talk about telling your story, because I think it's important that even in all of these contexts, that your story is very important. So we're going to jump into this passage in John 9. So I have all the text here. However, if you want to open up your scripture or your iPhones, uh, feel free to, starting in John 9, the TLV. As Yeshua was passing by, he saw a man who had been blind since birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Yeshua answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happens so that the works of God might be brought to light in him. We must do the work of the one who sent me, so long as as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. He told him, Oh, we have that. So he went away, washed, and came back seeing. Therefore, his neighbors and those who had seen him as a beggar kept saying, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? This is the one, some said. No, but it looks like him, said others. But the man himself kept saying, I am. So they asked him, Then how are your eyes open? He answered, The man who was called Yeshua made mud, rubbed it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and then I received my sight. Where is he? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They bring to the Pharisees the man who once was blind. Now the day was Shabbat when Yeshua made the mud and opened a man's eyes. So again, the Pharisees were asking him how he received his sight. He responded, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. So some of the Pharisees began saying, this man isn't from God because he doesn't keep Shabbat. But others were saying, how can a sinner perform such signs? So there was a split among them. Again, they say to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. 
So the Judean leaders didn't believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents. They questioned them, is this your son whom you say was born blind? Then how does he see now? Then his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We don't know how he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's old enough, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Judean leaders. For the Judean leaders had already agreed that anyone who professed Yeshua to be Messiah would be thrown out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he's old enough, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been born blind and said, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. The man replied, I don't know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. So they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I told you already, and you didn't listen, the man responded. What? Do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? The man replied to them, that's amazing. You don't know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone fears him and does his will, he hears this one. Since the beginning of the world, no one has ever heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were born not from God, he couldn't do anything. They replied to him, you were born completely in sin, and you're teaching us, and they threw him out. Wow, what a passage. There's a few things I want to point I mean, you could speak for hours on this whole passage, but I want to talk, draw out a couple points in particular. Um, in verse 3, uh, he says, verse the second half of verse 3, this happens so that the works of God might be brought to light in him. The encouragement is God can use your story. Whether you think you were born in sin or whether your parents sinned or who knows what, why you were born a certain way at a certain time to certain people in a certain place, God can use your story, whatever it may be, for his glory. We don't know how old this man was. We know that he was most likely older than 18 because he could he could uh, witness be a witness for himself as his parents were cowardly saying, but that he'd been born for a long time blind and people thought maybe his parents and maybe he sinned. It doesn't matter, but that God can use your story for his glory. Second, in verse 25, the man replied, I don't know whether he's a sinner, referring to Yeshua. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. Facts are facts. Whatever the facts are in your life, let them speak. People are going to want to try to go to this way or that way. Let the facts speak. And I'll get into exactly what that means a little bit later. Next, verses 28 to 33, the, the, these Pharisaical leaders, they say to them, we're disciples of Moses, that no one has opened the eyes of a man born blind. That means even Moses hasn't opened the eyes of a, a man born blind. Even all the great things that Moses did, even seeing God face to face and leading the people and witnessing, hearing the voice of God of the bush, bringing water out of a, of a rock, parting the sea, all the miracles. And these are amazing things. I have to downplay them. But no one has opened the eyes of a man born blind except Yeshua. Now, however people say they follow, however, whatever the amazing things they've done, no one has done the things that Yeshua has done. So however fancy the arguments they have or whatever, however much allegiance they may have to some person, no one has done the things that Yeshua has done. And no one certainly has done these things Yeshua has done in your life as well. Lastly, verse 34, 
You were born completely in sin, they say to this man who now sees. It's, it's unbelievable. Here's a man born blind, and all they can see is that they don't like the guy, and they don't like him because he's born completely in sin. And we see this, unfortunately, a lot today, where people, this cancel culture, people are going to cancel anything that they don't like about you, even if you can now see and you were once born blind. I mean, he, he was blind from birth. His parents knew it. His neighbors knew it. And now he can see and that they're, what they're, what's their retort? You were born completely in sin. Even so, Yeshua opened his eyes. The issue is not about the man, but about Yeshua. And it leads to the sad fact is that you can't convince anybody, even sometimes of just the facts or whatever you know or whatever you can convince others. I mean, uh, whatever you can say to others, you can't convince them. We read this in a, from John 6. I'm just going to read it. It's not on the screen. John 6, 41 to 46. Some of the Judeans started to grumble about him, about Yeshua, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Yeshua, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Yeshua answered, stop grumbling amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless my father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the father. Even with Yeshua feeding thousands, this is what happened previously. Even when he can do all these amazing things and the things he would say and the things he would do, you can't convince anybody of anything unless God the Father himself opens up people's eyes. Our responsibility is to tell the facts and to share the love of God, tell our story, to pray for people and see the power of God. But even when people are healed, you can't convince them unless God draws them. So what about you? I have some questions I want you to think about now and throughout this week. What's your story? Why is it worth telling? What has the Lord done for you? How has he changed you? What do you really have to offer others? Going out in the, in the streets and saying, yes, the end is near, for instance. Repent now. You know, Jesus is coming. I've, I've seen these signs in D.C. Or even to saying to people, you know, that, you know, God loves you. And these are good things. And these are things that I've said on outreaches. These are all good things. But I want you to think deeper now. What's your story? Why is it worth telling? What can you attest about your story that no one else can share and how it can connect to other people? I want to give you a little bit of my story. See, for a long time, I didn't think I really had a story, as David shared with you. I, I grew up as a believer. I mean, I've had my own journey for sure, but I never really deviated from the truth. I didn't have this great period of rebellion as a lot of people have. You know, uh, it was... It, kind of daunted me for a while. And I, and I think about my, my wife, and she wasn't raised as a believer, raised in a, a typical Long Island, you know, uh, not very religious Jewish home. And she, but she got radically saved. She had this dream her friend was sharing with her, and she had this dream in which she died, and the she went to heaven and saw the face of God, and she just knew that it was Jesus. She uh, uh, gave her life to the Lord shortly thereafter. Um, and we started to change 
you know, started to not like the things that she once liked going out into the city and partying and doing all these other things and really started to change from the inside out. And I thought, I didn't have that. And I think of my mom who also grew up in a very non-religious Jewish home. And, and when she uh, was turned 18, her friends shared with her about Yeshua and she got radically saved. She said, I'll go to church and just keep your mouth shut. Once I go there, nothing happens. So then God appears to her. She gets radically transformed. Her whole life changes. It just be very demonstrable, obvious transformation. I didn't have that. What I did have, however, is that around my time going to college, I started to go into more of the Orthodox community. And I never left Yeshua, thank God. But I really put him, if you will, on the side or on the back burner. I really learned a lot of the traditions. And I even studied so much that I became an Orthodox rabbi. I told the rabbi about my faith. And he said, well, all right, well, keep your mouth shut and you can study here. Well, I continued in that path and I eventually I got burnt out in the community and I left that community. I moved to Israel and I put a whole nother spin on what does it mean to be Jewish living in a, in a nation where everybody's Jewish. And it took me a long time to really figure things out. Eventually I met my wife and she had a whole nother perspective on you know, Jewish being culture and what we do as a people. Um, but one of the things I realized is I've been processing, processing this whole issue for years is that the story that I can tell is that while I love tradition and I love our, our learning from rabbis and I love the things we do and our customs, that without Yeshua, without him being the center of it, without him being the forefront of it, without him being the, the just everything, we, everything is about him, it, it's hollow to me. It doesn't have what I'm really looking for. It remind, and then I had an instance this last week. I was sharing with the Jewish man, actually, whom we met during our outreach time in D.C. a couple of years ago. And we've stayed in contact. And actually, by the grace of God, he committed his life to the Lord this week. And one of the things I was trying to like try to talk with him, because I was kind of beat around the bush at times. But like, what do I really have to share with this guy? He's not religious. He's not very traditional. He's not a biblical scholar. He knows some stuff. But what does he really need to hear? What does he really want? He lives alone. His mom's old. Did she survive the Holocaust? He's now he's isolated from the pandemic. What does he really need to hear? What can I offer to him? And I thought, you know what? I shared with him about a little bit about my, about my story because he said he goes to the conservative synagogue sometimes or Chabad. And I said, you know what? I said to him, look, the traditions are wonderful and they're great. And I love the prayers and I love the melodies. But all of it, frankly, without the love of God and Yeshua, without the care, the love of Yeshua, it's hollow. You're really missing the key component. That these aren't things aren't bad, but the things you're really craving for, the love of God, the intimacy with God, the closeness with God, actually knowing God, not just know about him, not just studying him, not just learning his principles and his ways, but actually knowing the person of God and knowing his Messiah, they're only found in Yeshua. And now the good news is that we can love Yeshua and do our, keep our traditions. It's hard. It takes a lot of work and focus, but you can do it. But unless he's the forefront, these things, they don't, they don't satisfy your soul. And that's what I learned. That was my story. This is something that people can relate to, whether they're scholarly, whether they're religious, or whether they know nothing. The people are always craving love. They're craving intimacy, and they're, cra they're craving to be close to God. 
I mean, where would you really, it's nice to know about God, but to be close with God, isn't that what people really want? And to be known by God? So sharing, for instance, about prophecies, those are important. Or sharing other people's stories are good and they can be helpful. Or saying that Yeshua fulfilled all the promises and the covenants and so forth. These are all good things. But people primarily relate to your story because you're a person. And people relate to people. People need people. You know, that's why this pandemic is so difficult besides the virus is that people are missing people. They're missing intimacy. They're missing connection. I said to my wife, like, I really can't wait for spring. I need to have people around me. I need to, we have a live on a cul-de-sac. I need to have a party where people are outside. I need to be with people. I'm, I'm, it's go, I'm going crazy. You know, notice one of the things that Yeshua said is that he is the light of the world. He didn't just relate to people about the light. He didn't just tell them about it. He didn't point them. This is where the light is. Or if you do these things, you can have the light. He said, no, I am the light. Meaning if you come to me, your light will be lit up. Your life will be lit up. The light shined in the darkness. And that, for instance, that blind man's eyes and the darkness could not overcome it. That's what we have to offer to people. How the light of God, the light of Yeshua, individually, respectively, shines through us in our own stories. What happened to my screen? Okay, I'm still sharing. Why did I lose it? Okay. Now, practically speaking, how do I want you to do this? I encourage you all to go home today throughout the week. Write out your story. Sometimes you may only have 30 seconds, 60 seconds to share your story. Write down the key components. And then successively, Write out more details depending on how much time you have. Three-minute version, a five-minute version, and then the full, full version. Say somebody's sitting down with you, like, tell me everything. Okay, I want to tell you everything. But sometimes you may not have that. So pace it out at different levels. And ask yourself, what are the significant points? Who were you? Who are you now? What's changed? And what do others need to know in your story? And practically speaking, Spare people the empty calories. Don't go off on rabbit trails. Don't make it, you know, sometimes there's an appropriate time for cuteness and then there's inappropriate time. Think about how much time you have and think about what you have to get across to share with that person, depending on how much, what that person is willing to hear, reading their body language. Think about what do I need to share with that person? These are all important facts and strategies on how to share effectively. And the last thing I want to share with you is that your impact may take time. There's a fairly well-known rabbi named Isaac Lichtenstein. He lived in Hungary uh, last in the 19th century, and he was a uh, uh, the leader of an area of Hungary, a township or a, a pretty large community. And he achieved this position when he was quite young, very gifted and talented rabbi and well-respected. Well, one day, one of his uh, one of his students, who was another teacher, uh, handed him a German Bible. In that time, Hungary uh, they also spoke German, and they uh, he saw it and he was outraged. The man was just sharing with him with something. I don't think the man was a believer himself, 
but he just was showing him this Bible and the, the, the rabbi threw it across his room in the, in the study hall and it landed behind some bookshelves. Well, approximately 30 years later, a blood libel rose up in that town of Hungary where a young Christian girl was uh, disappeared and the people accused the Jews of, of taking her and killing her and using her blood in matzah. It led to the imprisonment of many Jews um, and it prompted this rabbi Lichtenstein to go to, he was rummaging through his books to try to figure out a solution and he found this Bible. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna read it and I wanna see what this New Testament Christianity is all about. So as he was reading it, he realized that all his presuppositions were wrong. What he thought was a book full of hate because he was seeing Christians, the people in the name of Jesus, persecuting his own people and falsely a book full of hate and vitriol and anti-Semitism was actually a book full of love and Jewishness and the Jewish Messiah and goodness and kindness and the good, the grace of God. And he ended up saying that Yeshua really is the light of our people. And he gave his life to the Lord. He never abandoned his people. He never left the Jewish people. He was in, you know, brought to a, a rabbinic court. And they said, recant. And he said, I'll recant if you can prove that I'm wrong. And he continued to serve his community. And he continued, I'm sure he, I'm, I, I don't know for certain, but I'm sure he brought others to know Yeshua within his community. And he wrote books on defense of Yeshua to the Jewish community, and he helped other Christians understand the Jewishness of it all. All this is to say is that you, what the seeds you may plant in telling your story, as we see with Rabbi Lichtenstein, as we see with the Pharisees who saw the blind man who can now see, it may take 30 years for these seeds to germinate. You don't know. But what you do know is that you can tell your story because ultimately you're going to go before God and you're going to say, he's going to say, what'd you do with what I gave you? And you're going to say, I used it. I shared, I multiplied it. I, I told people what you did in my life. He said, that's all, that's all you can do. The rest is on God's hands. So plan out your story, figure out the key points and decide what really has God done in your life through Yeshua. Be ready to pray and to ask God, where can I share this? How can I bless people with how you've blessed and changed me? And then they may change immediately. And may, this person I've been speaking to gave his life to the Lord this last week. We were talking for two years. I was discouraged. But eventually I said, all right, what do, you, what do you think about this? Do you want to pray and follow him? He said, yeah, I'm open to that. I said, great. Well, then let's do it. So be of good courage. You have, every one of you has something to share. Ask the Lord to help shape it. Ask your friends, ask your rabbis, your leaders to help you shape it. And go out there and make an impact with, this, with the work that God has done in your life. Thank you.